Thank you for joining us for Breakthrough with Pastor Jason Stanford. Breakthrough is a place where you can find community, encounter Jesus, and discover purpose. Please take a moment to like and subscribe so you don't miss a single message. Let's go straight into the service recorded at Breakthrough Church in Cookville, Tennessee. Enjoy. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Well, if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me, if you will, to Matthew. Matthew, that's going to be our main text here. I'm going to refresh for a moment. But Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15. We've been talking about great faith. And let faith be your legacy. Let faith be your legacy. We've looked at this. There's a couple places in the Bible in Jesus' ministry where he classified someone's faith as great faith. And this is faith that we're still talking about. Amen? And this, this involved the centurion and his, his servant being healed. And it also involved this woman whose daughter was cruelly demon-possessed and she was set free. And in these occasions, Jesus, he didn't just label that they had faith. He actually said they had great faith. So what are characteristics of great faith? Because I want great faith in my life. Anybody want to believe the Lord for something and it come forth in your life? Hallelujah. Then what are some lessons that we can learn? What about, a, what about a legacy that you and I could pass down through the generations? That that was a person who had great faith. Yeah, my grandfather, my, my, my mom, my dad, my aunt, my uncle, my grandfather, my friend, my great-grandparent, whatever it is. Man, they had great faith. Hallelujah. And that we could still talk about the stories about what God brought you through, hallelujah, about what Jesus has done for us. But it takes us having faith in Him because we don't receive from God based on need. Obviously, that cannot be true because we would all say right now there are needs in the earth. I mean, there are needs beyond needs. So it must not be that need moves God because then there would, nobody, there, would, there would be nobody without anything ever. And we know that there are people who are without. We understand that. They understand there's lack in the earth. So it must not be that God is moved by need. So then what is God moved by? How do we receive from God? Well, we understand if you've been around here long enough that we receive from God by faith. By believing and trusting in Him. This is how we receive from God. Hebrews eleven six 6 even tells us that we, if we come to the Lord, we must believe something. That he, is, that he is, that he exists, and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. So we've been looking at characteristics of faith. And one of the things that we said last week, the last couple of weeks, and we're going to say it again here just for a moment, is this truth that faith in God must be expressed to be effective. Now I say this again because, again, I believe this is such a central place that we get tripped up. I mean, right here, so much, so much, so much. Faith must be expressed to be effective. What am I saying? There has to be an action that corresponds with what we believe. That is the same thing for salvation. When you and I believe, we what? We pray a prayer, don't we? We pray. We ask the Lord. We, we speak to God. We, we confess. We believe who He is. And we repent. We're, we're taking these actions to express our faith 
that He is Lord and what the Word of God says is true and what we've heard preached to us is true or what we heard a friend share with us is true or what we heard somebody on TV share is true or what we read from this track or this book is true. And so we take this step of faith and we pray, we believe with a heart and, and, and we take this moment and we, we reach out to God. It is an expression of our faith. And then it causes what we believe to produce what we're believing for, and that's to be saved, to be born again, hallelujah. Oh, to be made new in our spirit. And faith operates in one area the same way it operates in every other area that we're believing in. In other words, receiving from God for, for healing or for finances or for peace or for wisdom or for direction is the same way in all these things. This is how we must believe and we must express that belief. Now, one of the main ways we express how we believe is how we speak about the situation, how we speak about the issue and the problem in our lives. But there can be other actions that we might also take, and we've expressed some of that over the last couple of weeks. But here in James chapter 2, James chapter 2, now we looked at last week the centurion, when he heard about Jesus, he expressed his faith because he sent people to Jesus. We see that the lady also expressed her faith. She came to the Lord. She believed what he said and she went home. But James chapter 2 it says something to us here. Verse number 14 of James 2. What use is it, my brethren, if someone says he has faith, but he has no works? This speaks to works or actions that arise out of faith. That actions that, that happen because of faith. He says this, can that faith save him? Can that faith save him? In other words, can that... He begins to give some natural circumstances or natural... It's not the word actions. Natural things we might do because we now believe. And he talks about helping people and meeting needs and so on and so forth. And he's referencing the fact before you believed the Lord, before you had faith in Jesus... You and I, our lives were one way. But now that we had faith in Jesus, our lives should be a different way. Now, it doesn't mean that everything in our lives is perfect overnight, but it does mean there is some change in our lives. We might not use certain words we used to. We might not do certain things we used to do. We might not go certain places we used to go. What are all these things? These are expressions of our faith, by the way. And, and James says, listen, it's not just faith solely, but it's faith with works. In other words, it's faith with corresponding actions. He says, if you try to have faith without corresponding action or faith without works or faith without expression, can that faith save him? Can that faith deliver him? Can that faith actually produce for him? And James is basically saying, no. In other words, faith must be expressed to be effective. So faith must be expressed to be effective. So I said this last week. Before we move forward, let's say this again. So I'm asking the question, it's not what do you believe, it's what shows that you believe. What shows that we believe. This is so critical in our lives. So Matthew chapter 15, let's look at a couple other characteristics today from this Syrophoenician woman. And we find that in verse number 21. Matthew 15, verse 21. Jesus went away from there and withdrew into the district of Tyre and Sidon. And a Canaanite woman from that region came out and began to cry out, saying, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. 
My daughter is cruelly demon-possessed. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and implored him, saying, Send her away, because she keeps shouting at us. But he answered and said, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and began to bow down before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she said, Yes, Lord. But even the dogs feed on the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus said to her, O woman, your faith is great, and it shall be done for you as you wish. Hallelujah. And her daughter was healed at once. Now, we introduced this and just sort of at the end, just sort of tagged it on the end last week. But we said this, great faith doesn't quit. Great faith doesn't quit. What is the characteristic of a great faith? It's this, great faith doesn't quit. Here is a lady that's come to Jesus. She's obviously heard something about Jesus. Hence, she's come to Jesus. She's went to meet him. She's going to believe what he can do. She's going to cry out for mercy, ask the Lord for this thing. And in this scenario, it would seem like everything's against her. It would seem like everything is pointing to the wrong day. You know, you ever mustered up enough, uh, enough courage you're going to go ask your boss for something? I don't know if you've ever worked in any environments like this. Maybe you have not. But, you know, it's just um, different dynamics in different places. But, you know, there are good days and there are not so good days. There are days where you need to ask for something. Maybe you're going to ask for some time off. Or you're going to ask for this to purchase this particular thing. And there are days that this, you might, hey, listen, you might be walking down the hall. And then you hear some things happening. You turn around and go back to your office because, you know, today is not the day. Hallelujah. And it, it's like this for this lady. Today just doesn't seem like, man, this might not be my day because here I am and I'm crying out to him and he won't even recognize me. He won't even acknowledge me. I got the disciples. Not, it's not the Lord just won't acknowledge me. His posse don't even want me to be around. His the closest people to him don't even want to help me. If I can't get to him, maybe I can get to the other people to get to him. They don't even want to help me here. Send her away. Get rid of her. Then when she does get a hearing, not only that, then the master says something to her. I was just sent for the lost house of Israel, the lost sheep of Israel. she got to be thinking, man, today is just not my day. Let me try again another day, maybe another city. Maybe Jesus will be in a better place then. I don't know what happened. I don't know, what bre- I don't know who fed him breakfast today, but it ain't good. He said, she says something. He said something to her that would seem like, again, this is not good to ask. And what does she do? She keeps on. And then he says something again to her that would seem like, you know, not the day. She says something again, though. Why? Great faith doesn't quit. Great faith will not pray in one moment and walk into unbelief the next. Great faith doesn't quit. Great faith doesn't quit. With the passage of time, it stays at it. It knows what it's believing for. It knows what it needs. It knows what it expects, and it believes for it. He says, I, in verse 24, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. I mean, you know, you know what he's, can I just, can I just say it like this? This is what Jesus was saying here. I'm not here for you. That's what he told her. 
Really, that's what he told her. She's a Gentile. She's outside of what he said. He said to her, these are my words, not his, but this is what he said to her. I'm not here for you. I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He didn't just say, I was sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. We could maybe squeeze ourselves in there. I was sent only. <laughs> I mean, man, he, he is trying to do anything to say, I'm not here for you. But that lady was not taking no for an answer, was she? No, I know who you are. I know. I've heard about you. I know you heal and touch all kinds of people. You know what I believe? Uh, I believe she heard that he touches all people. I, I do. I believe that she knew. Listen, Gentiles, it doesn't matter. Jew or not Jew, he healed people. And I, I believe she knew that. And so here she comes. Because they got caught, caught up in the swift of his ministry. Yes, he was sent only to the lost house of Israel, but we understand that their rejection of him, we were able to be engrafted in, hallelujah. But Hebrews chapter 6, and she was a Gentile. It doesn't specifically say that here in Matthew, but in Mark's gospel, it does say that she was a Gentile. She was outside of this covenant, if you will. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 10 through 15, notice this. For God is not unjust so as to forget your work and the love which you have shown toward his name in having ministered and in still ministering to the saints. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence so as to realize the full assurance of hope until the end, so that you will not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience Patience inherit the promises. For when God made the promise to Abraham, since he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself saying, I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply you. And so, having patiently waited, he obtained the promise. Don't we want to be just like Abraham was and receive everything God has promised? We do, don't we? We want to receive everything God has promised. How did Abraham receive that? He patiently waited. The word inherited, there we're reading this verse, inherited. It says, what through faith and patience you what inherit or receive the possession of the promise. Through how? Through faith and patience. And then gives us an example here. Abraham patiently waited. He patiently waited. Waited through faith and patience. That word patience there means endurance, steadfastness. What's he saying? Faith that receives is faith that doesn't quit. It's faith that remains steadfast despite the passage of time. He says that about Abraham, he patiently waited. The Mount's translation says like this, he waited with expectation. And that's what it's conveying. Patience isn't the passage of time. It is, it, is, it is the state of how you are waiting. It is the state of how you are navigating the passage of time. It's not just the passage of time. If it was the passage of time, I believe after 40 years of something, maybe I, I imagine one of us have prayed some prayers at some point, and you're maybe you're still waiting for them to come to pass. If it was just the passage of time that you prayed something 30 years ago and it still happened, happened yet, there might be a decent chance it's beyond the passage of time here. It wasn't just that, right? But we must wait with expectation. And sometimes in life, 
We can pray, but we go about waiting. We forget all about what we pray. No, there's still something in the meantime we should be doing. We've got to be staying in faith. We're keep going after it. We must wait with expectation. Sometimes when we uh, are out and about, Kim and I might be out and about, and we might have forgotten something from the grocery store or needed something or just went through it faster or whatever, you know, and so she's going to run in and get something, right? And a thing or two, and so sometimes I'll drop her off and she'll run in and get it. And then my job is to loop around the parking lot. Now, this is one thing I don't do. I don't forget and just sort of go in some far other part of the parking lot and just, you know, forget all the fact that she was even in the car with me and I dropped her off somewhere. Amen. I don't, what do I believe? I believe she's coming back out. So here's the thing. She'll drop me out and she'll even say, I'll be right back out. Okay. So then I'm going to loop around the parking lot, try to situate myself into a position where I can see her coming out this door. Anybody ever done any of this before, right? Anybody ever missed it in this area before? Don't raise your hand. All right, glory to God. <laughs> Amen. And um, so anyway, so <laughs> I always tell her, text me when you're checking out. Sometimes I think she just wants to test me, and she just comes out. But then I say, there's that pretty lady. She belongs to me. All right, I'm coming in there. All right, glory to God. And so, but here's what I do. I loop around the parking lot, get myself situated in a place where I can see where she's coming from, right? And here's the thing I do. I don't forget, and I don't sit there nor ever how long it takes, because we all know how it is when you go in the grocery store. You see people you know. And you go in there for one thing, and you buy 25 things. We understand how these things work. And they know how it works, too. And so, you know what? But then you meet people, and you greet, and you're talking, so it's not always a minute, right? And you're back in. It can be longer than that. And so, here I'm waiting. But here's the thing I don't do. I don't eventually think, you know what? It's just been, man, look at all this time. I guess she's never coming back out there. I don't know what happened to her. But she went in there. There she lived, and there she died. She's gone. I mean, I don't know what happened to her. I guess she had enough of me. She went out the back door. I don't know what happened, you know. But I don't give up and say, forget it. I'm out of here. I'm going somewhere else to do something else. I don't ever do that. What do I do? I sit right there and I wait with an expectation. I'm waiting to see her come out of that store. I know it's going to happen. I know it because she told me she's going to do it. Now you might say, well, of course she's coming. Listen, is God's word greater than her word? Is God's word greater than my word? Is God's word greater than any other word? Is, is a human's word greater than his word? No, sir. If, listen, if he said it, he'll bring it to pass, glory to God. If he promised it, it will happen, hallelujah. What is our job? To believe him for it, glory to God. And to wait with expectation. Not give up and quit and drive off in the faith vehicle, if you will, and think it's not happening, it's not going to take place, forget it. No, friends, we're in faith and we're waiting with expectation. I'm going to see it. Oh, glory to God, I'm going to see it. You know what you do, what you do when you're waiting? You sit there and think about it. You th Lord, thank you for this. You envision your mind. I see it like this. Hallelujah. I see myself doing this. And I'm believing God that I'm going to feel good enough to do that. So I see myself doing that again. Hallelujah. I'm believing God I'm going to be able to go. I'll be able to have the money to go and purchase this particular thing I need for my home or for our life or whatever we might need. I see myself going to the store and getting it. Hallelujah. What are you doing? You're waiting with an expectation. Hallelujah. 
You're desiring to go to sleep at night, and you haven't been able to sleep for all these nights. You can begin to see yourself. I see myself. I'm going to lay right down. I can see myself. I'm going to roll right over. I'm going straight to sleep. I can see it. You're believing it. Why? You're waiting with expectation. You're believing God. Great faith doesn't quit. It keeps on and keeps on. Matthew chapter 15. Matthew 15. What else about this lady should we know? Hallelujah. He says to her, in verse number, let's see, Matthew 15, in verse number 24, or verse number 23. But he, but he did not answer her a word, and his disciples came and implored him, saying, Send her away, because she keeps shouting at us. Verse 24. But he answered and said, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and began to bow down before him. Now, now I know he's saying that in reference to some of the disciples saying, get rid of her. Hey, I ain't even going to touch her because I was sent to the lost house of Israel. Now, she obviously is close enough we can hear here because he says, but he didn't answer her a word. I mean, she, there, there's some vicinity of what things are happening here. And so, yet despite this, she still comes to him in verse 25. But she came, despite all that. But she came closer to him, obviously, and began to bow down before him saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she said, yes, Lord. But even the dogs feed on the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Oh, glory be to God. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord. Now, he's using dogs there, but it's figuratively, obviously, what he's saying there. Certainly, it conjures up the image, right? The dog gets the scraps. And she's saying, even the scraps are enough for me. There's great faith in that. Great faith in his power here. But they were looked down on. She was a Syrophoenician woman. They were looked down upon. They were not looked at the same level, the same status, if you will. Even in her word, when she says that she, that she asked him this, uh, you go back to Mark 7, and it says it, use it this way. But she kept asking him or she begged him. Even the word and the ask is a word that's used to indicate that she sees herself on a lower level than him, and she's asking him something. She sees that he is superior. And so here she comes, to, and she asks him these things. And she, so she's not, listen, she is not deterred because her status isn't the way it should be. She isn't maybe on the same level supposedly as these people or whatever. She says she's coming for it. Listen, friends, here's a truth. Great faith doesn't just, great faith doesn't quit, but great faith is also bold faith. Great faith is also bold faith. Bold faith. It's courageous faith. It is confident in its asking. It doesn't let go. It doesn't quit. But it also, listen, it doesn't just look at itself. You're right. I, I, I. It didn't take no for an answer here. It, the lady is saying, it's not about who I am. It's about who you are. 
This is what it's about. It's not about me. It's not about what I did here and what I did there. And see, that's what Satan wants to trap us in. And one of the reasons why we fail to walk in great, great faith is we put it upon ourselves. And the enemy tries to say, well, you messed it up here and you messed it up there and you've done this and, you know, you did that 13 years ago and so on and so forth. And, you know, don't bother him. The fact he forgave you is enough, you know, and all these kind of things. Friends, great faith is bold faith because we realize it's not about us. It's about him. And he says, listen, it's not good to give you this. She says, huh, this isn't about me. It's about you. And even the scraps of, even the leftovers of what you are providing will be more than enough to take care of the problem I'm here asking for. She had great faith in his power. And she was bold in her request. Do you see how bold she is in her request? She's not letting go of it. And she's just walking in there and she's going to get it. And many times in life, we walk in a place of no confidence when we pray, when we believe God, when we ask Him. But the truth is we must be bold in our faith to see our faith produce in our lives. Faith comes and gets it. It comes and gets it. We see this truth shown to us in Hebrews chapter 4. It says in verse number 16, Therefore let us draw near with, the, with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Oh, glory to God. We must draw near with what? Confidence. That word means come boldly or come courageously. That we may, notice that phrase, that we may receive. Who wants to receive? That we may receive. There are two things, if you will. There are two things about that verse. That we may receive. There are two things that this verse indicates to me that are necessary for you and I to receive in this moment. We've got to be in the right place. We need to be at the throne of grace. We need to be in the right position, if you will. We need to be standing, if you will, before the right person. Well, praise God, we can come there. But it's not just that. It's not just coming to speak to God. That's not merely enough, the verse here tells us. It's not just being in the throne of grace that's enough. It says, so we may what? With confidence draw near. That we might come boldly. That we might come with confidence. That we might draw near with confidence to the throne of grace. We might not just be in the right place, we must also approach the right person the right way. Have you ever needed to get to the right person in life, right? You ever had a problem or issue with something you purchased or you need customer service and the person you're talking to just cannot help you, right? And you're like, get me to somebody who can help me. You know, who, who, who is the person I need to talk to that can resolve this and help me with the matter? You need to get to the right person. Well, let me tell you something, friends. God is the right person. And you and I can come to God. Hallelujah. But we might not, we don't just need to come before the right person. It's also imperative that we come the right way to the right person. We must approach him the right way. How are we supposed to approach? With confidence, with boldness, with a certainty we're to come. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence. Hallelujah. Could it be that our approach toward God is wrong? 
And therefore, our results from God are less than what they should be. 1 John chapter 5, verse number 14 says this, This is the confidence which we have, what? Before Him. This is the confidence that we have. Again, are we, are, we in, are we in front of the right person here? Yes, Him. The provider, the need supplier, He's it, the way maker. Praise God. When you find the Lord, you found the right person. I don't know, it don't matter what the question is. But we must come the right way. And 1 John 5 says this, this is the confidence. That word confidence there means a bluntness. It's an assertiveness. It's an assurance. It's an all-out spokenness. It is, it is certain of what it wants. It's not weak. It's not low-talking. It's not hemming and hawing. And, boy, I surely really hate to ask this person. And, and, you know, has anybody, have you ever dreaded to ask somebody for something and you kind of beat around the bush and you beat around the bush and you sort of beat the bush so much there's not a bush anymore? You know what I mean? Because you just don't know what they're going to do or how they're going to say it. And you just feel like, ah. He's not describing that here. He's saying, we come right in here certain. We come right in here as we should. This is the confidence. We're certain. We're plain. We're bold. We make a request. Why? We're making that request. If we ask anything according to his will, his word, his promise, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, then we know that we have the petitions, our request that we have made of him. But we must come what? With a certainty and a boldness in our lives. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Could it be that as we come before the Lord, we don't come with a boldness that we should? We don't come with a confidence that we're supposed to embrace. This is why the enemy tries to get us and put believers in condemnation because he wants to make it all about us. And there's shame, and we had this, and we did this. And now, don't, don't misunderstand. There's a difference between condemnation and conviction. Conviction's about dealing with present things in our lives that we need to repent of. Condemnation's about past sin that we have repented of and turned from. And now God has forgiven us. But the enemy wants to trap us in the shame and the guilt of it. But the Bible tells us in 1 John 1 9 that He not only forgives us of our sin, but He will cleanse us. From all unrighteousness. He cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Hebrews, it even tells us in Hebrews that He purges our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know what He was doing? He wants to purge us. When you and I get born again, anytime, honestly, that we repent of sin, and we look to God. He doesn't just want to forgive us of the sin. He cleanses us. Why? He purges our conscience. Why? He wants to remove any reason why we will not now go on serving Him. That's what it is. And that's what it's about. Because the enemy try to trap us. Well, you can't do this for God because you did this in your life. You can't believe God won't answer that prayer for you because you did this in your life. Again, it's not about who you are. We see that with the woman. The, the woman looking for healing for her daughter. It wasn't about her. It was about him. Hallelujah. You've got, the, you've got the power. You've got the ability. I've got the faith in who you are. It ain't about me. It's about who you are and what you've come to do. Hallelujah. And the Lord wants to cleanse us 
from all unrighteousness, hallelujah, that we might come freely into his presence and make the request of what we need. Lord, I'm coming to receive this from you because you've said this is mine. You said that you provided this for me. You said that you purchased this for me. Sometimes we have to buy stuff for the kids, you know, when they need something, whatever. Toothpaste, whatever. Let's just say it's toothpaste. We bought it at the store and they need it. They don't come in there and say, would you mind give me some toothpaste? Would you, uh, do you think it would be too big of a deal? No. When they know we purchased it for them, they walk right in there when everything comes home and they just take what they need. I like to have that toothpaste. Here you go. That's a gift every parent will always give. Can you say amen to that? The same way we should walk into our Father God. Say, Lord, I read this is what you purchased for me through Jesus. I read this is the victory you've given me through Jesus. I read that you purchased this. It's all, he's already paid for it. Lord, I've come to receive what you have provided. And we can come with a boldness to receive from him. Amen. Hallelujah. Stand with me if you will. Thank you for joining oh, us for today's message. Please take a moment to like, rate, and subscribe. This helps us reach more people with the gospel of Jesus Christ and ensures you will never miss a message. For more information on Breakthrough Church, please check us out on Facebook or email us at info at findbreakthrough.com. Breakthrough is located at 480 Old Kentucky Road in Cookville, Tennessee, and we would love for you to join us in person. Services are at 8.30 and 10.30 on Sunday mornings and 6.30 Wednesday nights. We offer ministry for all ages and look forward to seeing you soon.